0: All right, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fellow Trash Talkers. Whatever time you're tuning in, I'm glad to have you on board once again. You're listening to Trash Talk with D-Bork, and I'm your host, Dave Bork. It is Wednesday, the 6th of December, 2023, and this is episode 8 of our NFL pod. Nice little week 13 recap. Finally, it took us about 13 weeks, but we had some good primetime football. Both games were absolutely crackers. Green Bay. Big upset win over the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals might not be dead just yet. Jake Browning, great performance, but a yeah, big blow to the Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence going down injured. All that will be featured in our best of the best as well as our time to take out the trash and oh, that New England offense. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> i will also hit on some question time. Uh, as always, thank you for sliding into those DMs at Trash Talk with D-Bork on Instagram for that. We've had plenty come through this week, so it's going to be a, a few talking points to go around, as well as hitting on our best bets for week 14. Went one and two last week with our best bets, Tennessee. Oh. Yeah, that was tough. Anyway. We'll move on to the positives. Why don't we start with our best of the best for this week, and how can we not go back to some Thursday night football action, Mr. Dak Prescott. This guy is balling right now. He's got the Cowboys motoring. Dak threw for 299 on 29-41 for three touchdowns. Also rushed for 23 yards as well in a 41-35. to 35. Very, very high-scoring, exciting game against the Seattle Seahawks. Dak Prescott is now somewhat equal favorite to win the MVP award or otherwise known as the quarterback award heading into a huge matchup this week against the Philadelphia Eagles for a tie in the division lead and the way the Dallas Cowboys are playing especially at home you've got to like their chances this week Dak has got CeeDee Lamb going I think we mentioned it last week Brandon Cooks has now finally found something in this Dallas offense. They've also got Tony Pollard now running the football very well. They're a team to watch. So if they can manage to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles this week on uh, on Sunday Night Football, it's going to be an absolute cracker. This, this Cowboys team may very, very well finally challenge the San Francisco 49ers for top two spot in the NFC. I know their run home is tough, but... Confidence is a big thing, and Dallas have that in Groves, courtesy of Dak Prescott. Speaking of balling, Tyreek Hill, and those Miami Dolphins, in my opinion, the real MVP. 157 yards, two touchdowns in a 45-15 to route at the Washington Commanders. This Miami offense would be somewhat nothing without Tyreek Hill. Tua just threads it to him, and Tyreek just goes bang, bye-bye. Majority of the time, there are only five, ten yard passes, and he just makes plays. We like we just discussed with Dak Prescott being an equal favorite. You can get Tyreek Hill at about seventeen to one or plus sixteen hundred on him to win the MVP. You know, this guy, this guy should be top two or top three in betting for this award. But you know, you're gonna find him in the Offensive Player of the Year. And given that they just give MVPs to quarterbacks, he almost seems like an absolute lock to win the Offensive Player of the Year if that's how we're gonna. That's how we're going to do it. And Tyreek and the Dolphins face off against the Tennessee Titans this week. Yeah, my Titans. Tyreek might have 200-odd and about three touchdowns this week. (laughs) It's not going to be pretty. It won't. But if you're on him for Offensive Player of the Year or MVP, yeah, he will be featured heavily in that contest. Speaking of an absolute dog at wide receiver, Debo Samuel. 116 receiving yards, two touchdowns, also had 22 rushing yards for another touchdown. This team is a completely different beast when Debo, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle are just all balling right now. When they're healthy, it's hard to see this team not winning the Super Bowl this year. They went into Philly, and I think a lot of people saw that match as a potential NFC Championship game match. It was obviously a rematch from last year where Brock Purdy got hurt, and we saw how I guess how bad they were without Purdy, given that Josh Johnson also got hurt, had to had to play McCaffrey quarterback. But Purdy threw for three fourteen and four touchdowns on nineteen of twenty seven. But the thing about looking at Brock's stat line, you're like, oh man, he balled out, that's nice. A lot of those are screen passes, short yardage plays to guys like Debo who just makes plays out of nothing. He creates just like Tyreek Hill does to make Tua look Tua's stat line just look incredible. I'm not saying that this Niners team wouldn't be elite if Purdy wasn't in their lineup but their receiving core make this kid look like the MVP and which is why he is currently tied for favorite with Dak Prescott which I don't agree with I really don't but I think at the end of the day you kind of got to be somewhat impressed with this kid being Mr. Irrelevant last year you know last pick of the NFL draft and now has them as the outright Super Bowl favourites, and they should be, they really should be, because if they're healthy, if they have Purdy, C, Debo, AU, Kittle, Jennings on the offensive side of the ball and how elite their D-line is, it, yeah, the Super Bowl goes through San Fran this year, it really does, and it's great to see because injuries have riddled them in seasons past, so I think it's theirs to lose this year, I really do. Speaking of, and uh, this is somewhat of an unexpected performance in our best of the best, you got to give it to this kid because a line was put through this team this week heading to Jacksonville once Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow went down injured. Jake Browning, 32 of 37 for 354 and one big touchdown to I'm always open, Jamar Chase. Chase went for 149 and one touchdown. They also ran the ball incredibly well with Mixon and Brown going for 120 plus on the ground, two touchdowns to Joe. Such a big time win. 34-31 W at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously a massive injury to Trevor Lawrence in that one, but even prior to, to Lawrence, I guess, going down, this was all Cincy. It really was. They made a couple of couple of mistakes, that you know, with Jamar Chase throwing for negative seven yards and Tyler Boyd throwing a pick. I don't know why anyone else was throwing the ball apart from Jake Browning in this contest. But they really made a conscious effort to to eat him up on the ground and get it to Jamar Chase as much as they could. They went in there with a plan. They were aggressive as well. First, First drive going for it on fourth and three pretty much on the 50. That shows the confidence that Zach Taylor had in Browning. And you look at their run home now, this team is still a a huge, huge chance to, to get themselves that AFC wildcard. They won't win the division with how good Baltimore are going, but their next three games, they got Indy coming into town. They really should beat Indianapolis at home, then play Minnesota at home, and then travel to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh don't know what's going on at quarterback right now. So that's three winnable games. You could finish that three-game stretch at nine and six, and you're pretty much almost locked into the playoffs by that point, which would be super, super impressive for a team who I guess a lot of people have put a line through as soon as Joe Burrow had gone down injured. So, well played to, to Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals in this contest. Like I said, huge matchup against the Indianapolis Colts who were extremely lucky against the Tennessee Titans. Why don't we give the garbage man a call right now and take out some trash for Week 13. Yep, we're ready to go. How do we not start with the New England offense in our trash? My goodness. Doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for the Pats right now. They are not good at all. Their defense has only allowed 26 points over the last three games. And if you see a stat line like that and you are not winning any of those games, which they haven't, they haven't. Their offence has only managed thirteen points in their last three games. <laughs> That's gotta be discouraging for a very, very good very good very good defense. You know, Bill Belichick has always kind of worn his hat strong, I guess, to, to how he's run that defense, and they're doing everything possible to get it done, but you play you play Mac at quarterback, you play Bailey at quarterback, it's just not it. We've seen it, we've called for it time and time again. Just give Malik Cunningham a chance this week. You have to. We still don't really know who's playing quarterback in quite possibly the worst ever game to be on primetime going into going into this Thursday night footy against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like at the moment, it could be Bailey Zappi up against Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the total for that match is 30.5, and I don't think you've seen too many, too many NFL games with a total that low. I get it. The weather might be a bit sketch and whatnot. There's a a few weather warnings going on in the States right now. But I think even if conditions were dry, this game is not going to have many points in it. And it's somewhat going to be unwatchable. It really will. Unless Malik Cunningham starts at quarterback. But you go back to last week's game. The spread for that game was 5.5 points. And you don't cover a spread of 5.5 when you lose 6-0. That's tough if you're on the Pats. It really was. It's probably one of the worst beats ever. Your defense has done everything possible, and you held pretty good offense to six points. you just got to be winning that game. I understand Ramondre Stevenson went down, big injury, whatnot, but still, ugh, yikes. But we could see vintage Zeke this week. With Stevenson out injured, playing a, you know, against a, a Pittsburgh rush defense has been pretty bad, so maybe the Pats might score a touchdown. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Someone's defense who is not very good, definitely not as good as the Patriots. It's 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 abysmal right now. Is the Tennessee Titans secondary. Yep, my Titans, they couldn't defend me running routes right about now. Allowed a late overtime bomb to Alec Pierce, who has literally done nothing all season. But yep, they allowed Pierce to go for a hundred in a devastating loss. Michael Pittman was always open in that one. They made him look like Jamar Chase just about. Such a tough loss, just given how Tennessee pretty much almost had that game wrapped up and won. Uh, They had a long, long overtime drive, and when you use that much clock and kick a field goal, you just need one stop, and that's it. And you allowed Gardner Minshew to absolutely light them up with Alec Pierce down the sideline. Tough, tough, tough loss for Tennessee. And their secondary has every chance to potentially cop about 40-odd this week to Miami. I battle battle to think how this game was ever given a primetime slot on Monday Night Football, I really have. But Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and the boys, this isn't going to be pretty for Tennessee. It's really not. Something has to be done. And by this point, you may as well just start playing for the draft next year. So let Will, let Will just air this thing out against Miami because wrap Derek Henry up in cotton wool, trade him away, just let him go and win somewhere else because it's not going to be in Tennessee as hard as that is for me to admit yeah I guess when you trade away your your best memory secondary to the Eagles that's that's what you're gonna get. Thanks boys <laughs> one more piece of trash this week that feels like it gets added every year. It's not even to do with the NFL it's to do with the college football playoff committee. they completely screwed Florida State over they really did. And somewhat screwed Georgia over as well, because for the first time ever, Power 5 undefeated champion was removed from the Final Four for none other than their college sweethearts, Alabama. And Georgia, who hadn't lost a game in about three years, also dropped out after one loss, losing to Alabama. Tough one. Really, really tough one. We're going to mention that a little bit more in, in question time because there has been a question that's come through about Florida State, and we've had plenty of questions come through this week. So, as always, thank you for sliding into those DMs at Trash Talk with D Bork on Instagram. Keep sending those through. All right, let's start with our first question for this week. Why don't we fire it up? What do we got? At JSCO11, big Jags fan. Big, big Jags fan, Jackson. If Lawrence is out indefinitely for the Jags, do you see them missing the playoffs? Well, Jags right now are 8-4 and four and still leading the division. And from all reports, Trevor Lawrence, still a chance to play this week, but I find that highly doubtful. Let's say he misses two to three weeks. They travel to Cleveland this week, then they play Baltimore, then at Tampa Bay, then play Carolina, and, I mean, anyone can beat Carolina right by now. Then finish at Tennessee. So let's say he misses at the very least the next two to the Browns and the Ravens, and I've got him losing both of those games with backup Mr. Bethard playing at quarterback because he is just not very good. There's a chance you could go into Tampa Bay still playing with CJ, but I feel like Jacksonville may hit the panic button and bring Lawrence back. But let's say he misses that game. They still manage to win. They'll beat Carolina, and then it could come down to... Their matchup against the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee to win. Tennessee have given them a few problems in the past, but you'd like to think if Lawrence is back, they win that. They f- should finish around 11 and 6, or at the very least, you know, if all things go bad for for Lawrence and his diagnosis, you know, you probably finish 10 and 7. That should be good enough for at the very least the wild card spot, depending on how the Houston Texans finish up. They're also 7 and 5. Their last five games, they travel to New York to play the Jets. Very beatable. Then travel to Tennessee. They should win that game, the way the Titans are playing right now. Uh, then they play Cleveland at home. Again, Tennessee at home. And then travel to Indy to finish the season. You're probably looking at, again, 10-7 and 7 or an 11-6 for the Houston Texans. So you're looking at a tie there between them and the Jags. Jags with the tiebreaker at the moment on the division for that. And you got the Colts at 7-5, their last five weeks, at Cincy versus Pitt, at Atlanta versus Vegas and Houston. You're probably looking at 9-8 for them. So you're beating them out. So you're literally competing at the moment with the Texans. And I dare say, as long as Lawrence is back for, at the very least, the last two weeks, this Jags team still makes the playoffs. And if he's healthy, if you've given him enough time to recover, as a top seed, they're probably not a team you want to be facing because they're better than their overall record with Lawrence actually in the lineup. So don't lose any sleep over it, Jackson. They'll still be making the playoffs, mate. Don't worry. You're not a Titans fan. It's fine. (laughs) Let's go to our next question. At Jimmy Moore 5, do the Vikings move on at quarterback? And is JJ going to be back in full production in his first week back? Straight up, no. They do not move on at quarterback. I understand that Josh Dobbs had a pretty average game against the Chicago Bears he really did but two of those four picks actually weren't on him they went through the receiver's hands just catch the ball simple as that and I think he's got more to his game than what the young fella Jaron Hall has and given their you know position right now in the NFC wildcard I think you've got to stick with Dobbs and he's obviously a lot better than Nick Mullins that that can't even be an option if you look at their run home over the next five, they're at Vegas, at Cincy, versus Detroit, versus Green Bay, at Detroit to finish the season. You'd like to think they're going at least 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two in that stretch. They've definitely got to win this week at Vegas. I think it starts there. You've got to win those games because I think they'll probably struggle both times against Detroit, and especially the way Green Bay's playing. That's, that's also going to be pretty tough, even though it is at home. These next two at Vegas and at Cincy against two backup quarterbacks... Oh, very, very, very winnable games, especially if you've got JJ back ready to go and answering that second bar, that question, he should be all systems go, because I dare say he was probably ready to go against Chicago, and they sat him for that one thinking that they were going to win that match with the bye coming up. They lost, pretty unlucky to lose it, but they did in the end. I think he's good to go. I really do. And I definitely hope so with fantasy football playoff hopes on the line for those that have Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I think it's stick with Dobbs in Minnesota and JJ is ready to go to finish the season. A huge last five weeks coming up for the Minnesota Vikings, as Lizzo would say. <laughs> Let's go to Adesero D. Thoughts on how hard Florida State were screwed over in the college football playoff? Okay. They were completely screwed over, but I'll say this. They never should have been a top-four seed to begin with. I get it. They're in a Power 5 conference, but they never should have been a top-four seed. If you're going to move Texas and Alabama ahead of them with one loss, do that going into the last week, to be honest with you. You should have had Florida State at you know six or seven. For them to come out and say that Florida State look like a completely different team without their quarterbacks. You know They're obviously missing Jordan Travis, which was a huge, huge out for them. I get that. With Rodermaker coming in as their backup, who was also out against Louisville, you still managed to win with your third-string quarterback. Rodermaker would have been fine in a month's time to play that game. He would have recovered by his injuries, so they would have been down on their backup. Last time I checked... Football is a team sport. It is not a one-player sport. So you have completely screwed over all those guys that have worked incredibly hard all year to go undefeated in the ACC win their conference game with a third-string quarterback and say, you know, and the committee comes out and says, oh, yeah, but, you know, they wouldn't have looked that good against the likes of, I don't know, Michigan or, or Texas or Washington. That doesn't matter. Let them decide that if they're finding ways to win games, get them in the four. They don't deserve to get bounced out of the four for winning a college conference championship game. That's, it's disgraceful. And I understand we're moving into a top 12 next season, so this would, I guess, somewhat kill the argument of who should be in the four, because it makes things a lot difficult to, to select four teams, but you can't be bouncing a team for going undefeated. It doesn't work like that, and nor could you bounce number one overall seed down four spots. This is the first time that that's happened as well for a team that only lost by three. Like I said, haven't lost in three years. So it's awful, awful form from the college football playoff community. And I can't wait till this thing goes to a top 12 because then we're really going to see, I guess, if a team as a 10 seed who should have you know, deservedly made the fall or could go out and win a national title. There's enough money involved now in college sports for these kids to, to want to play in these big games. And you have completely screwed over Florida State by one now handing them a game against Georgia in a bowl game. Like, good luck with that. If you think there were no chance of, of winning in the playoff, you've got them playing against a pissed-off Georgia team, depending if those kids also play. They might sit out for the draft, the likes of Brock Bowers and whatnot. I think they've had a shocker. I really do. Only one of Texas or Bama should have been moved ahead, and that was Texas because they beat Bama. I understand Bama looked great towards the end of the year, but yeah, you can't be you can't be moving your team out just because they lost their quarterback. It's it's wrong. It's a team sport. It's completely, completely, completely poor form. I hate it. I really do. Thank you for that, Dylan. Let's go to at Tommy Mike Shark, big Cleveland Browns fan over in Cleveland. <laughs> What's the ceiling for the Browns' offense with Flacco? Is it enough for this team to make the playoffs? Well, if you look at their run home, they've got Jacksonville this week. Big game, especially most likely without Trevor Lawrence. Then play Chicago, travel to Houston, play the Jets, then finish at Cincy. This is an extremely winnable stretch with a veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco who was airing it out something severe against the Rams. And they were pretty unlucky to lose that game. They really were. Someone's got to tell Joe, though, that his uh, best receiver outside of Mario Cooper is David Njoku, so get that man the ball. <laughs> Although Bigfoot did step out, that kind of hurt. But <laughs> they, now have, they can now rely on someone who's been there and done that before in the past, in Joe Flacco. When you were starting, with all due respect to DTR and PJ Walker, they're not guys I'm going to rely on to win a Super Bowl. Not saying Joe Flacco can win this team a Super Bowl, but their defense is elite. And Joe just needs to be serviceable enough to get his playmakers like Amari Cooper and and Joku and Elijah Moore just get them the pill. They got a very good running game with Jerome Ford as well. So I think this team 100% makes the playoffs. They're a chance to finish you know 10 and 7 or 11 and six to a degree. You know they're a chance to win all five of those games. They might drop Houston, but if this defense can get back to their ways, they've, they've kind of copped it, I guess, the last couple of weeks. So they'll be. They'll be pretty butt hurt by that, but I think they get it right against Jacksonville, especially if Trevor Lawrence is out. You know, you win back to back games, you'll beat Chicago for sure, and then it could come down to that Houston game. You win that, you're you're in the playoffs. So, yeah, this team, this team can motor with Joe for sure. How far they go in the playoffs? You know, they'll they'll be on the road, given that Baltimore will win that division. I don't know. Joe's done it before, so you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past him for, to, to potentially upset one of the big dogs in in week one. I mean, I wouldn't want to be Kansas City if I'm playing Cleveland, just given how good that defense is. So, I don't know. Good luck to him. Thanks for sending that through, though, Tommy. Appreciate the love from abroad. Last question at Bart03, speaking of the Chiefs. Is now the time to back the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, given their recent downfall? This one's tough for Kansas City this year because something doesn't seem right in KC. Albeit their defence is a lot better than it has been in the past, something is not there offensively. They've got a they've got a guy in the backfield in Pacheco who's just running over everyone. But Mahomes and his receivers haven't really been playing all that well, especially of late. Kelsey always seems like he's open over the middle, but he hasn't had those big explosive kind of games that he's had in the past. They might have been pretty unlucky last week at Green Bay not to get I guess a flag on that late Hail Mary, but they're still games that Kansas City were always winning in the past. Something seems off, and they finish up, you know, after this week at against Buffalo, which is a huge game, huge game. You know, the winner the winner of that could decide could decide if Kansas City do somewhat drop down to that four seed. They probably still win the AFC West easily, but you know, there's a big difference between you know three and four. Travel to New England next week. Again, that defense has given people a lot of problems, but Kansas City should score more than six points, so they should win that game. Then play Vegas at home, Cincy, and then finish at the Chargers. You're probably still looking at about 12-5 and five or 11-6 and six for the Chiefs to finish the year. And if you're looking at the top two seeds at the moment in the AFC, you've got Baltimore playing. They play the Rams this week. Then Travel to Jacksonville and San Fran, two kind of big games there. Again, depending what happens with Trevor Lawrence, they should be able to get the Jags game at the very least. Then play Miami and Pitt. You're probably looking at about 12-5 and 5 or 11-6 and 6 for them. Then you go to Miami, who seemingly haven't beat any big dogs yet. But their next two games are against Tennessee and the Jets. You can pretty much catch those two in. Then play Dallas at home. That is, that is the one for Miami because I think if they're going to get that number one seed, that is the one they need to win. Because the following week after that, they go to Baltimore. Very, very tough. Tough environment. That could also be for the number one seed. And then finishing Buffalo for a team who's contending for that AFC wildcard spot. So you're looking at 12-5 and or 13-4 and there. That's almost good enough for that number one seed you'd think for them. So Kansas City, at the end of the day, are going to be on the road after week one in the playoffs. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be on this team to win the Super Bowl this year. As good as Mahomes and Kelsey are, they don't give me the vibe that they are there to win the Super Bowl right now. They really don't. I don't know. I think Baltimore are the go right now in the AFC, especially if Mark Andrews can come back from injury. That's the big one to watch. Anyway, that is question time done and dusted for this week. Thanks again for sending those through at Trash Talk with D Bork on Instagram. Those DMs were fire. Much appreciation. Why don't we hit on our best bets for the week ahead? Thank you Jerry, welcome back. Last week our best bets as we mentioned went 1 and 2 pretty unlucky with Tennessee losing that game in overtime. Dallas minus 9, they went for that touchdown late there. We could have could have got that done, but unfortunately not cash Miami. They covered comfortably. In Washington moves our best bets record now to 9 and 9 on the season. Our reels now 5 and 11 cash 1 on the for Thursday night football game but unfortunately went 0-2 on Sunday very unlucky there David Njoku 30 plus receiving yards again big fella stepped out which would have would have cashed that one and then our home run hitter on Rasump brown in parlay number two only having 49 receiving yards in a against this Saints secondary who just stunk so yeah didn't expect that but at the end of the day that moves our reels to five and eleven we will cash more on Sunday let's be real we'll be back at it we are not hitting on one on Friday that is just not happening you couldn't force me to make a play in that New England Pittsburgh game it's gonna be awful we've got three best bets for this week we've mentioned this team before The Miami Dolphins, minus 13.5 against the Tennessee Titans. It makes me sick that I'm betting against my own team, but this Dolphins team should win by, at the very least, three touchdowns. They should. They've got at least 35 to 42 points in them, I think, on on Monday Night Football. They haven't played in a primetime spot in a very long time, and I think everyone's going to see just how good Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and the boys all are like, if there's anything that Tennessee do well, it is stop the run. So maybe most of and chain might not have their best of nights, but they've just found ways, Miami. They really have. They'll, they'll score in any type of way against Tennessee, which is hard for me to say. But yeah, give me all of that minus thirteen and a half. I think it should be at least seventeen. Then we'll go to another primetime footy game. Hard to imagine the Giants on Monday Night Football, but here we are. Green Bay minus 6.5. Jordan Love, who's been in our best of the best for the last few weeks. He's going to continue to ball out against my favorite gubba ghoul, Tommy DeVito. (laughs) As fun as that story is for the Giants, I can't see them competing with Green Bay. You look at who the Giants have beat over the last two weeks, which is why the DeVito story, does the hand signal right there, has been a fun one to follow. They've beat. They've beat Washington, and they beat the Pats on a missed 20-yard field goal. They are not Green Bay. Green Bay are balling out right now, coming off a huge win against Kansas City. They've also got a week to recover from that game. It's not a short turnaround for Green Bay. They've got ample time to recover for this one. They're playing for a playoff spot. They are winning by double digits in this game. They will. We're going to finish going back to Miami and Tennessee. We're going to take the over 47. If Tennessee do manage to score 14 points, well done. Miami, does score at least 35, so we'll take the over 47 there. That is our best bets done for the week. That is the show done for the week. This has been fun. There's been plenty, plenty to talk about in the NFL ranks as well as the college football ranks. As always, keep an eye out on socials at Trash Talk with D-Borg, on Instagram and TikTok for more reels, especially on Sunday night. We'll fire up a few more player props there for that. I hope everyone has an amazing, amazing weekend. Enjoy the football that is to come from week 14. There is going to be some cracking, cracking games. That Chief Bills game is going to be amazing. Eagles-Cowboys, I'm excited. I really am. This has been Trash Talk with D-Balk. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. I am out.